Welcome to this Ellen and Overy podcast. My name is Victoria Ferris and I'm a senior associate in Ellen and Overy's Middle East Financial Services Regulatory Group. Here with me is my fellow senior associate, David Berman, who's part of our Middle East Litigation, Investigations and Contentious Regulatory Group. Hi there. We're also joined by Ravinder Matu, a senior associate in Ellen and Overy's Middle East Technology and Data Protection Team. Hello, everyone. This podcast forms part of a series where we'll be focusing on key considerations relevant to the emerging crypto asset landscape in the UAE. This episode will be an overview of the key consumer protection considerations relevant to crypto assets under the various onshore and offshore legal jurisdictions which make up the UAE. We'll also specifically touch upon data protection regulations, which apply to crypto assets and distributed ledger technology, or DLT, and the key challenges which arise from this. So, David, if I can turn to you first, why is it that consumer protection is such a key consideration when it comes to crypto assets? Well, Victoria, it really comes down to the fact that crypto assets are extremely complex. As we discussed in another of the podcasts within this series, even the term crypto asset isn't defined. It's purely an umbrella term used to describe virtual assets such as cryptocurrencies, security tokens, and so on. Each type of crypto asset therefore carries its own risks. What this means is that there can be a real lack of understanding on the part of consumers as to what they're purchasing when they buy crypto assets and what the particular risks are with respect to those assets. The fact that crypto assets are constantly evolving at a very fast pace is also very relevant here. That's right. And that means that the nature of the risks posed to consumers is not static. Common risks associated with crypto assets include those concerned with fraud, mis-selling, and as you say, the purchase of crypto assets by individuals who are not fully informed of the complexity of the asset or the nature of the market. As discussed in our episode on the regulation of crypto assets, whilst cryptocurrencies in particular were designed to operate as a unit of exchange, the space has evolved such that the speculative investment of crypto assets is actually the more common usage. Essentially, investors investing in the hope that the value of the token will rise against that of fiat currency or other crypto assets. Exactly. And whilst the public may see extreme and sudden increases in the value of tokens as an opportunity to make a return on their investment, the short history of crypto assets shows us that market crashes are equally severe and there are countless examples of speculators who have lost absolutely everything. Correct. And whilst it's true that investors who are experienced in the crypto market will likely recognize both the scale of the pitfalls as well as the potential gains and operate accordingly, less experienced investors will undoubtedly be driven by media headlines around potential gains. These investors, not backed by market experience and who often won't engage in extensive research and due diligence on the products they buy, are most at risk of suffering significant losses and are therefore a priority for protection by regulators. Outright fraud has been common as well. Often termed rug pulls, numerous scams have been perpetrated by bad actors over the years. 
by way of illustration, this can involve the generation of a significant amount of hype behind a new token, where the founders promised long-term development and future utilities, and that encourages investors to buy in. The value of the token increases exponentially as a result. Whilst the token's value continues to rise, the developers which made the initial promises will begin to sell their own holdings to make money in the tulip fever-like environment before abandoning the project and leaving those who invested with an asset which essentially has no value. So left unchecked without any form of regulation, investors and particularly inexperienced ones are left with very few tools to identify which tokens are basically vehicles for scams and those which are bona fide. There are also other risks, not unique in the crypto space, but which regulation can seek to mitigate, such as those concerning data privacy or security of custody of assets. So I think that covers some of the background as to why consumer protection is so important in the crypto asset space. But Victoria, what measures have been introduced in the UAE in order to protect consumers from all these risks? It's a good question. First and foremost, having a regulatory framework in place goes some way in itself as a first step to mitigating risks faced by consumers. So, for example, by requiring tokens to be approved and the persons who provide means for them to be traded to be appropriately licensed. Crypto businesses that are licensed in the various legal jurisdictions which make up the UAE are required to comply with data protection regulations, for example, and that's something that Ravi will discuss a bit later. Regulators will also impose obligations and restrictions on such businesses in relation to the promotion of crypto assets to the public. And this in particular requires that marketing materials are accurate and not misleading and that they emphasize the speculative nature of crypto and the risks of loss of capital for those who invest in it. Imposing licensing requirements on crypto businesses and obligating them to maintain prescribed professional standards also serves to lend the relevant operators an element of credibility. Examples include regulations requiring licensed businesses to operate in a responsible, honest and professional manner and to treat customers and merchants honestly and fairly at all stages of the business relationship. Being subject to licensing requirements can also mean that licenses have regulatory responsibility with respect to other third parties in the business supply chain. This essentially requires licensees to do their own due diligence on third parties to ensure they operate in a way which is consistent with UAE laws and regulations, and that should make it safer for the consumer at the end of the chain. In theory, consumers should be able to look at tokens supplied in accordance with the regulatory framework as being lower risk, at least as far as threats such as fraud are concerned. Of course, crypto assets by their nature are high-risk products notwithstanding that protection supplied by regulation. Where things do go wrong, however, having operators beholden to a regulator can also strengthen the consumer's position in relation to any actions they can take in recourse. And in terms of specifics, we've mentioned before that crypto assets are regulated differently and by different bodies, depending on whether they're offered from mainland UAE or the financial free zones, or even on an emirate level, as we're starting to see happen in Dubai with the recent publication of the Dubai Virtual Assets Law. But let's take a look at the onshore central bank regime as an example, and particularly the Central Bank Stored Value Facilities Regulation or SVF regulation. 
The SVF regulation prescribes the regulation of digital wallets holding not only fiat currency, but also virtual assets. As a licensed stored value facility provider under the SVF regulation, licensees are required to comply with numerous requirements imposed by the central bank with the objective of protecting consumer interests, including, for example, protections around the safeguarding and the segregation of customer funds and assets. What the SVF regulation also does is require licensed persons to comply with the central bank's broader consumer protection regulation and standards, which came into force in 2021 and set out extensive consumer protection requirements on all licensed financial institutions. In fact, Victoria, when it comes to SVF providers, consumer protection is so high on the central bank's agenda that business conduct and consumer protection is one of the seven key areas where prospective licensees are required to obtain an independent assessment of their compliance with the central bank's requirements as part of the licensing process. That's right. And consumer protection is similarly high up on the agenda of the other UAE regulators. So it's very much one of the key considerations that both prospective and existing licensees need to be aware of. Ravi, if I can now turn to you, um, as we've mentioned, one of the key ways in which principles of consumer protection weave their way into the regulatory regime surrounding crypto assets and distributed ledger technology is via the implementation of data protection regulations. So with that in mind, what are the practical consequences of information on DLTs being subject to these data protection laws? Thanks, Victoria. Well, firstly, there's an issue with the logic and terminology of data protection laws, particularly with the concepts of data subject, data controller, and data processor, which are difficult to apply to blockchains because there's a lack of clarity as to who is who on the blockchain and therefore what their obligations are according to data protection law. But I think the most problematic point of public blockchains with regard to GDPR and also the DIFC ADGM and the new UAE federal data protection law is the requirement that the data subject has the right to be forgotten, meaning that any individual has the right to request that their personal data be erased from the record. Deleting or modifying data on the blockchain is next to impossible because the data has already been broadcast to all network participants. And in addition, the deletion of a record in and of itself would change the hash of the respective block containing the data and invalidate all the consequent blocks. That's really interesting, and I can see why that would be an issue. So which of the data protection laws in the UAE specifically refer to crypto assets? Well, the DIFC data protection law requires companies that perform high-risk processing on a systematic or regular basis to appoint a data protection officer. High-risk processing includes processing that uses new or different technologies or methods that create a materially increased risk to the security or rights of data subjects or render it more difficult for data subjects to exercise their rights. This includes, as expressly referenced by the DIFC data protection law guidance, blockchain-based data processing, which restricts a data subject's right to erasure and rectification, as we just discussed. The DIFC data protection law also requires data controllers to inform a data subject about the limitations to request rectification or erasure of their personal data and to ensure the data subject understands and acknowledges that limitation. Thanks, Ravi. 
It's easy to see how DLT, blockchain and tokens have the potential to revolutionize the way that transactions are conducted. But there definitely seems to be a lot of unanswered questions in relation to how data protection laws can be complied with in relation to using crypto assets. So this sounds like it's going to be a really interesting area to watch. That brings us to the end of this episode. As we mentioned at the outset, this does form part of the series of podcasts we're releasing on all things crypto. So do look out for the other episodes. Thanks for listening and please do get in touch if you have any thoughts or comments on this podcast. Mm-hmm.